This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Good evening. Uh, Tonight I want to discuss the, the account of a man named Joab. You know, outside of the story of Jesus Christ, I think the accounts, the stories around David are probably, I spend more time in the Bible than those stories than any other place. I just really enjoy reading about that. Tonight we're going to look at a man named Joab, who you might say is David's right-hand man, especially at certain points in his life. And just, I've written some just quick uh, I'm not a family tree, but here's the major characters that we'll see in, t- in these uh, verses tonight. Uh, first of all, you have David, and he has two sisters, perhaps half-sisters, one named Zeruiah, the other named Abigail. Abigail has a son named Amasa. He'll come into play towards the end of our, our study tonight. Zeruiah had three sons, Joab, who we're going to speak about tonight, his brother Abishai, Abishai and Asahel. And then, of course, David. And then over on the other side, the other camp, you had King Saul, his son, Ishbosheth, and the leader of that military, which was Abner, which is the counterpart of Joab. Those were two commanders of armies. But I've got the study titled Joab, a man after his own heart. And I hope I'm not too hard on Joab, but if you look at the, how David operated, you know, he was defined as a man after God's own heart. And we see that he never blamed God for his problems. He always sought to do what's right, and he owned up to his mistakes. And you see Joab just in that context, almost being like kind of an opposite type character. We're going to see a lot of things that are really relevant to us. You know, a lot of times people think Old Testament's not relevant. It couldn't be any more relevant than, and this is going to be one of those cases. Joab was a man... We're going to see that had, you might call, selective obedience, where he was obedient and loyal to David unless David said something he didn't like. So he had a problem with submitting to the king. And so we're going to, we'll probably notice that as kind of an underlying theme as we go through these things, uh, too. His downfall, Joab's, was, was taking matters into his own hands. You know, David, he had multiple opportunities even though he was he was told by God that he would take over and he would reign over all Israel and he was even in the cave with Saul and his man said right here's your opportunity strike down Saul now because you know you're supposed to be king and David said I'm not going to touch the Lord's Lord's anointed I'm going to let it play out we're going to see Joab the exact opposite he's going to take care of business himself so to start off tonight we're going to uh, read primarily from 2 Samuel. And we'll start off with 2 Samuel chapter 2, starting with verse 8. But Abner the son of Ner, captain of Saul's host, took Ishbosheth the son of Saul and brought him over to Maonaim, and made him king over Gilead, over the Asherites, Jezreel, Ephraim, Benjamin, and over all Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign in Israel, and he reigned two years. But the house of Judah followed David. And the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. So we see here just this is kind of the the start of where we want to start tonight that 
At this point, David, he was, he was told that he would rule over all Israel, and that hasn't quite materialized yet. Uh, but Abner is, you know, Ishbosheth is almost a figurehead. Abner has, he's been with Saul. The people trust Abner, you might say. He had all the influence in that camp. Second Samuel 2, starting in verse 12. And Abner the son of Ner and the servants of Ishbosheth the son of Saul went out from Maonaim to Gibeon. And Joab the son of Zeruiah, and, and remember, Joab is David's nephew or half nephew. Joab the son of Zeruiah and the servants of David went out and met together by the pool of Gibeon. And they sat down, the one on the one side of the pool and the other on the other side of the pool. Abner said to Joab, let the young men now arise and play before us. And Joab said, let them arise. And when you think about play, this is not going to be, they're not playing spades. They're, this is going to be some kind of, it's going to turn out pretty bad here. But in, let them compete with one another. So you have these, and we see kind of the start. They're going to be rivals anyway because two rival armies kind of hold the same position. But this is where there's really meat in that. It gets personal here. Then there arose and went over by number twelve of Benjamin, which pertained to Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and twelve of the servants of David. And they caught every one his fellow by the head, and thrust his sword in his fellow's side, so they fell down together. Wherefore that place called Helkathazurim, which is in Gibeon. And there was a very sore battle that day, and Abner was beaten, and the men of Israel before the servants of David. And there were three sons of Zeruiah there. Joab, Abishai, and Asahel. And Asahel was as light of foot as a wild roe. This guy was fast. And Asahel pursued after Abner. And I would tend to think that Abner probably is quite a bit older than Asahel, even with, so you have a speed difference, and probably Abner was a little bit older. And in going, he turned not to the right hand nor to the left from following Abner. So he is just booking it. Not look, he's heading straight for Abner. Verse 20, And Abner looked behind him and said, Art thou Asahel? And he answered, I am. And Abner said to him, Turn thee aside to thy right or to thy left, and lay thee hold on one of the young men, and take thee his armor. But Asahel would not turn aside from following him. So it sounds like Asahel had no armor, because here Abner's getting chased, and he said, Turn around, get some armor on. And he wouldn't turn around. He's just coming straight for Abner. Howbeit he refused to turn aside. Wherefore Abner with the hinder end of the spear smote him under the fifth rib. So I'm picturing he's running and he just hits him under the fifth rib. And I've got that underlined because that's going to come back in some other examples tonight. The spear came out behind him and he fell down there and died in the same place. And it came to pass that as many came to the place where Asahel fell down and died, stood still. So everybody now is just gathering around. Asahel has a spear through him. So what's going to happen now? Joab also and Abishai pursued after Abner. And the, and the sun went down when they were come to the hill of Amma that lieth before Gia by the way of the wilderness of Gibeon. And the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together after Abner and became one troop and stood on top of a hill. And Abner called to Joab and said, Shall the sword devour forever? Knowest not that it will be bitterness in the latter end? How long shall it be then? 
ere thou bid the people return from following their brethren. So Abner just says, is this, how long is this going to go on? Because this is not going to, more people are just going to die here. And Joab said, as God lives, unless you had spoken, surely then in the morning the people had gone up, everyone from following his brother. So Joab blew a trumpet, and all the people stood still and pursued after Israel no more, neither fought they any more. And Abner and his men walked all that night through the plain and passed over Jordan and went through all Bithron, and they came to Maonaim. And Joab returned from following Abner. And when he had gathered all the people together, there lacked of David's servants 19 men in Asahel, but the servants of David had smitten of Benjamin and Abner's men, so that 303 score men died, or 360 men. And they took up Asahel and buried him in the sepulcher of his father, which was in Bethlehem. So Joab and his men went all night, and they came to Hebron at the break of day. And then in the next chapter, 2 Samuel 3 and 1, Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, but David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. And again, that is not a surprise because we know that David is destined to, to rule all Israel, and we know that Saul's house was going to, you might say, collapse. And so this event happens, and then this side over here is strengthening up, and this one is the house of Saul is diminishing. But... You see the start of this rivalry between Joab and Abner. And both of these men are going to have a significant amount of influence over the people. Even though Abner killed Asahel, you could say it was in self-defense because he told Asahel, you know, turn around. How am I going to face Joab? Asahel didn't give up. Abner had no choice. It was kill or be killed. That's probably not going to make a difference to Joab, though. Joab, there's always going to be that between them. But from this point on, Abner strengthens his hold on the house of Saul. And as I mentioned, although Ishbosheth is king, Abner's the guy with the influence, and we'll see that here in a minute, because as soon as Abner leaves Ishbosheth, you know that it's over for the house of Saul. For some reason, Ishbosheth accuses Abner. Again, this is Abner has all the respect of the people, but Ishbosheth accuses Abner of some heinous crime with one of these women. And so Abner gets rubbed the wrong way and he said, I'm done, I'm out of here. So Abner goes and leaves and goes right over here to the other side and that's pretty much the end of the house of Saul. Second Samuel 3, starting in verse 17. And Abner had communication with the elders of Israel saying, you sought for David in times past to be king over you. Now then do it. In other words, here's your time. You wanted David as king, here you go. For the Lord hath spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hand of all their enemies. And Abner also spoke in the ears of Benjamin. And Abner also went and spoke in the ears of David in Hebron, all that seemed good to Israel and that seemed good to the whole house of Benjamin. So Abner came to David to Hebron and 20 men with him. And David made Abner and the men that were with him a feast. And Abner said unto David, I will arise and go and will gather all Israel to my Lord the king, that they may make a league with thee, and that thou mayest reign over all thine heart desires. And David sent Abner away 
and he went in peace. So now you have this, and you could say it was a historic event. It was. This was David now taking, he's going to take command now of the entire kingdom of Israel. And this historic agreement now, Abner defects over to King David, and he's going to bring everybody with him. Meanwhile, how do you think Joab feels? Because Joab is out, and we'll see this in a minute. He's out kind of, maybe not doing the king's dirty work, but he's out there fighting the battles for David. Meanwhile, your arch enemy that's killed your brother marches right in, and David just throw, throws him a feast and lets him go in peace. So now you as Joab come back, uh, you're probably not going to be too happy. And this is an example where we'll see Joab's loyalty get tested because Joab was under David and David makes this agreement. David is Joab's king. And even though that rubbed Joab the wrong way, that was not his will, Joab was still a servant of David. And so we'll see how Joab submits to his master David. 2 Samuel 3, starting in 22. And behold, the servants of David and Joab came from pursuing a troop and brought in a great spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away and he was gone in peace. When Joab and all the hosts that was with him were come, they told Joab, saying, you can probably picture somebody, hey, Abner the son of Ner came to the king. He sent him away and he's gone in peace. And Joab came to the king, came to the king and said, what hast thou done? Behold, Abner came unto thee. Why is it that you have sent him away and he is quiet gone? You know, Abner the son of Ner, that he came to deceive thee and to know thy going out and thy coming in and to know all that thou doest. If you didn't know who was who in this story, take away the king and the titles, who's in charge there? Who's the king? Well, in this example, the king is not the one saying, what have you done? You know, you just got duped. And we see that trait of, of Joab is starting to come into play where he's loyal to the king unless the king rubs him the wrong way, unless he kind of goes how he thinks things should be done. How did you, why did you do this? You got outsmarted. He just came in to, to spy you out. And it's not a perfect parallel, but I get to, I've thought about this on and off for a long time about the example when Jesus is asleep on the boat. The, the tempest is raging. The apostles are frightened because of the storm. And the apostles know with all their heart, this is the Son of God with you. But at the same time, Peter goes, don't you care that we're dying? And it just always strikes me like I wasn't, you know, I may have not done any better, but this is, an apostle speaking to the Son of God like that. Don't you care that we're dying here? Don't you, don't you know what's going on? And that kind of thought that same thing about how Joab is, is treating his king. And maybe perhaps do we go through life, maybe not openly questioning Christ or something like that, but we might think that or, or kind of have that mindset, lose we can lose perspective, and that's kind of what Joab did. Joab had a beef with Abner. Even though this whole thing was going to unite 
all the people. Joab made it all about himself. This guy killed my brother. Why did you let him in? How could you be that dumb that you let him in here to do this? But Abner, he went around to all the people. He's the one that got wronged over here. I think it was obvious to the people that this was not some kind of underhanded thing that Abner was partaking in. So back to 2 Samuel, go to chapter 3, starting at verse 26. And so now Joab is mouthed off to, to David. How do you let this happen? Verse 26, And when Joab was come out from David, he sent messengers after Abner, which brought him again from the well of Sirah. And David knew it not. And when Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly. So in other words, he's probably like, Hey, come here, come here, Abner. And smote him there under the fifth rib that he died for the blood of Asahel, his brother. And afterward, when David heard it, he said, I and my kingdom are guiltless before the Lord forever from the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. Let it rest on the head of Joab and on all his father's house, and let there not fail from the house of Joab one that has an issue or that is a leper or that leans on a staff or falls on a sword or lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, slew Abner because he had slain their brother Asahel at Gibeon in the battle. And David said to Joab and to all the people that were with him, Rend your clothes and gird you with sackcloth and mourn before Abner. And King David himself followed the bier. And they buried Abner in Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. And the king lamented over Abner and said, Died Abner as a fool dieth? Thy hands were not bound, nor thy feet put into fetters. As a man falls before wicked men, so fellest thou. And all the people wept again over him. And when all the people came to cause David to eat meat while it was yet day, David sware, saying, so do God to me and more also, if I taste bread or aught else till the sun be down. And all the people took notice of it, and it pleased them, as whatsoever the king did pleased all the people. For all the people and all Israel understood that day that it was not of the king to slay Abner the son of Ner. And the king said unto his servants, Know ye not that there is a prince and a great man fallen this day in Israel? And I... And this day weak, though anointed king, and these men, the sons of Zeruiah, be too hard for me. The Lord shall reward the, the doer of evil according to his wickedness. So now Abner is gone. Joab has his first victim in tonight's study. And David, and he uses this term kind of on and off here on out, the sons of Zeruiah. It's like, I guess, a derogatory ter term. And these are his family, too. He said, these people are too hard for me. I can't even deal with these guys. And the people see, you know, and David was always such a, a great leader. He listened to the people. And again, we see the contrast between David and Joab. And he calls Joab a doer of evil, an evildoer. <laughs> And that's a very serious statement coming from the king, no less. A, an evildoer. So you would think at that moment, 
Joab probably loses his place in the military. But that's, that's one thing we're going to see. It's like he never loses his place till the very end. He just, and you kind of wonder why he retains power, but he does. Skip over to, to chapter 8, 2 Samuel 8, verses 15 and 16. David reigned over all Israel, so now that has materialized. David is the king over all Israel. And David executed judgment and justice to all the people. And Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was over the host. And Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was recorder. So here we go. Fast forward. Joab is still there. He is still the commander of the military. Uh, who knows what the reason may be. It may be that he was just good at what he did. I mean, if you wanted a battle won, Joab was the guy you wanted to, to lead that battle. And if you read on, you'll see that he has several victories. In chapter 11, verse 1, it came to pass after the year was expired, so more time passing by, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon, besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And this right here is what's going to lead into the whole Bathsheba fiasco. So Joab is so good at what he does, he's out taking care of the battles. And David is now left in Jerusalem. And this is when he goes up on the rooftop and the whole incident with Bathsheba happens. When that all goes sour, you know, David calls Uriah back from the battlefield you know he tries to get him drunk tries to get him to go home to his wife at all none of it works out so David goes a different route and he has no other than Joab take care of Uriah eliminate him chapter 12 verse 26 and Joab fought against Rabbah of the children of Amma and took the royal city And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah and have taken the city of waters. Now therefore gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called after my name. And David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah and fought against it and took it. So here we see that Joab was loyal to David. I mean, he wasn't all bad. He was loyal to David Pretty much, other than these few things we're going to look at, he was loyal overall to David. And here, Joab could have easily taken that city with his influence. They would have named the city after him, but he says, he defers to the king, and he says, you better get here or they're going to name the city after me. And so David comes in and takes the city. So we do see that the loyalty of Joab. But David's house was going to suffer because of his sin against Uriah. And if you read through that account... The David, and this is why David pays so dearly for his sin, he sends the message to, of Uriah's own demise to Joab. And can you imagine Joab being that as he gets this message from Uriah and looks it over and just maybe, you know, he gets, Joab is going to eliminate this man. And I can't imagine that Joab doesn't know what's going on there. But because of that sin, there's going to be, we know, chaos 
throughout David's house, you know, from there on out. One of his sons, Absalom, who is described as the most handsome man in the land, he kills one of David's other sons, Amnon. There was a big heinous deal with the sister, and so Absalom kills the son, Amnon. He's banished from the kingdom. Joab kind of convinces David, let him back in, let him back in in a limited capacity. You know, he's not supposed to approach the king. Uh, and so Absalom, the son, comes back into, into town, you might say, and Absalom starts getting favor with all the people. You know, oh, if you only had a king that would listen to you. And so he gets all the people's hearts against King David. Basically stages a, crew, a coup, treachery, and they push David out, and David takes off, has to flee for his life, and Joab is loyal to him. Joab doesn't st stay behind and serve uh, Absalom. And so when Absalom, now that David is on the run, he's on the run for his life away from, uh, from his own son, Absalom, Absalom puts a man named Amasa, who is another family member, He's in charge, or he's a family member of Joab. He's he, Joab's cousin. He puts Amasa in charge of his army. And so, as David has David has fled out into the wilderness, and so Absalom is chasing him down, and David decides to mount a counteroffensive, you could say. And this is what he tells Joab here, and Joab and all the people in 2 Samuel 18 and verse 5. The king commanded Joab and Abishai and Ittai, saying, and again, this, everybody hears this. He's, David says, deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains charge concerning Absalom. So this was not an issue of, oh, that was a hard saying. What did he say? He just flat out says, deal gently with him. Everybody heard it. So let's again compare now what Absalom or what Joab, how he's going to handle that direct command from the king. Chapter 18, verses 9 through 11. Absalom met the servants of David. And Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak, and he was taken up between the heaven and earth, and the mule that was under him went away. So he's got long hair, and the hair gets caught in the tree, so he's hanging there by his hair in this tree. And a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. And Joab said unto the man that told him, And behold, thou sawest him? Why did you not smite him there to the ground? I would have given you ten, I would have given you ten shekels of silver and a girl. And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, I would not put forth my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing, the king charged thee and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise, I should have wrought falsehood against my own life, for there is no matter hid from the king. And you yourself would have set thyself against me. So this man's saying, You would have thrown me under the bus in a, in a heartbeat if I would have done this. But this man here was more righteous than Joab at that point. And then Joab said, in this verse 14, Joab said, 
I may not tarry thus with thee. In other words, I don't have time for this. And he took three darts in his hand and thirst, thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And ten young men that bear Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. And Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing after Israel. For Joab held back the people. And they took Absalom and cast him into a great pit in the wood and laid a very great heap of stones upon him, and all Israel fled, every one to his tent. If that's treating somebody gently, then I would hate to see what harshly is, because David said, be gentle with, with my son Absalom, and that was anything but gentle. And Joab here, he's not really hiding it. He's blowing the trumpet. You know, we took care of business. It's a clear example, once again, of just somebody the king has told you, has told all of his people, this is what I want done. Very, very clear. This is what I want done. And you have two different, uh, two different sides of it. One guy finds it, finds the man. He could have killed him. The guy was hanging by his hair in the tree. But he said, I know what my king said. He said very clearly not to do this. Yeah, I can get a gold belt or whatever over here. I'm not going to, I'm going to do what the king said. And then we have a man with great uh, authority, a renowned commander who can't, who is unable to follow that very simple command. And that young man or that, that man that followed was so much, did a so much better job at that point in time than did Joab. Luke 6 and 46, Jesus says, why call, you me, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Why do you call yourself a Christian and don't do any of the things I tell you to do? You know, it's that same principle. The king, we, we carry the title Jesus, I'm a Christian. We could, maybe Jesus is saying this to us, hopefully not, but why do you call me Lord if you're not going to do the things that I say? David could have asked Joab that, do you look at me as your king, then why don't you do the things that I say? David could have very appropriately said this to Joab. And, and to make matters worse, Joab doesn't see anything wrong with his actions. We're not going to see any kind of remorse out of Joab for this. And when David finds out the news, as you can imagine, this is his son. And granted, his son's done a lot of bad things. He's banished him from the kingdom, but still it's his son. And so David is greatly upset. And he even says, my son Absalom, if only I had died in your place... But when Joab hears that, sees the reaction, what does he do? 2 Samuel 19, verses 5 and 6. And Joab came into the house to the king and said, You have shamed this day the faces of all your servants, which this day have, served, have saved your life, and the lives of your sons and your daughters, your wives and your concubines in that you love your enemies and hatest thy friends. For you has declared this day that you regardest neither princes nor servants. For this day I perceive that if Absalom had lived and all we had died this day, then it had pleased thee well. Joab's the king, right? 
He's got the authority here, right? Joab continues, therefore, maybe therefore king, now therefore arise, go forth and speak comfortably unto, all, unto thy servants, for I swear by the Lord, if thou go not forth, there will not tarry one of thee this night, and that will be worse unto thee than all the evil that befell thee from thy youth until now. Just clearly, just uh, the wrong kind of attitude from this man that is supposed to be a servant of, of King David. And that is kind of, maybe we see that in the religious world. That may be something we get tempted by today with, with uh, people threatening us. You know, you're going to lose all this friendship if you, if you don't follow me. All your people are going to leave you. But what do you do in that? that instance and how do you review your lord and savior you know there's a lot of talk about a i've heard over many years we know that jesus is our our friend he's our prophet our priest and so forth but i've heard people say like jesus is my co-pilot i've heard jesus is my homeboy and all these things and i get the closeness the we're trying to be close but Jesus is the Son of God. And when we go to Jesus and we go to God, that is the creator of heaven and earth. That is our, our king we're talking to. And so it's important that we never lose perspective of that as Joab did here. He was so upset and he let his king have it. And we can never be not even the slightest in that position. And it's not long after this that David does finally removed Joab from the army, from command of the army. 2 Samuel 19 and 13. And say ye to Amasa, Are thou not of my bone and of my flesh? God do so to me and more also, if thou be not captain of the host before me continually in the room of Joab. So he continually, so from now on Amasa, Amasa is again David's other nephew by his sister Abigail. So he puts this man Amasa in charge of the army. But surprisingly, this is not going to be the end of Joab's rule of the military because Joab takes advantage of a situation. And so what happens after here is Amasa is a captain of the army. There's a revolt by a man named Sheba. He goes off, starts this revolt. David doesn't think that Amasa is taking care of business quick enough. He sends Abishai to go take care of business instead of Amasa. And Joab follows along, and that's where Joab sees an opportunity to come back into power. 2 Samuel 20, verses 8 through 10. When they were at a great stone which is in Gibeon, Amasa went before them, and Joab's garment that he had put on was girded unto him. And upon it a girdle with a sword fastened upon his loins in the sheaf thereof. And as he went forth, it fell out. And I don't know if that's by mistake, but so he's, he's walking in this sword, falls out of the sheath. And Joab said to Amasa, Are you in health, my brother, or how are you doing? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with the right hand to kiss him. But Amasa took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand. So he smote him therewith, in the fifth rib, shed out his bowels to the ground and struck him not again. 
and he died. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued after Sheba, the son of Bichri. And one of Joab's men stood by and said, He that favoreth Joab, and he that is for David, let him go after Joab. Well, what poor sap at that point is going to say, you know, I don't really favor Joab. <laughs> I mean, you can see what this, this man is, you know, take care of you. You know, he, he, your life, you will forfeit your life if you were to say you didn't favor him. So in other words, Joab is back in charge. The sheriff's back in town, I guess. And here, and Amasa wallowed in blood. Again, who, Amasa was the man that David appointed to be in charge. Amasa wallowed in blood in the midst of the highway. And when the, man saw, and when the man saw that all the people stood still, so you just have people staring at this commander of the army, he's in bad, in bad shape, and he's dying there on the road. He, he removed Amasa out of the highway into the field and cast a cloth upon him when he saw that everyone that came by him stood still. When he had removed out of the highway... All the people went on after Joab to pursue after Sheba, the son of Bichri. So Amasa's demise was no better really than, than uh, that of Abner's. You know, he, David said that Abner died as a fool dies. I don't know how you want to describe this, but it was a cowardly act. A sword that Amasa didn't see comes up through the fifth rib or under the fifth rib. Second uh, Samuel 20 and 23, Joab, now Joab was over all the host of Israel. So here we go. He is over the army again. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Cherethites and over the Pelethites. So Joab just seems like he's untouchable. And you might wonder, why did David keep letting him back into power after? Was he the only guy that could lead the army that well? But we see that Joab does get what's coming to him. In David's dying words to Solomon, he pronounces judgment upon Joab. He tells, skip to 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, and these are some of David's last words to his son Solomon. He tells Solomon, Moreover, you know also what Joab the son of Zeruiah did to me, and what he did to the the two captains of the host of Israel, to Abner the son of Ner, and to Amasa the son of Jether, whom he slew, and he shed the blood of war and peace, and put the blood of war upon his girdle that was about his loins, and in his shoes that were on his feet. Do therefore according to thy wisdom, and let not his whore head go down to the grave in peace. And so, you know, he doesn't use the words, take him out, but the, you know, the message is there, you know, don't let him go. Don't let him die peacefully in the night. And we see the end there later in that chapter. 1 Kings 2, 28 through 30. Then tidings came to Joab, or here comes the news to Joab. For Joab had not turned after Adonijah, though he turned, though, for he had not turned after Adonijah. Adonijah uh, thought he was going to be king instead of his brother Solomon. And Joab did not, or he had turned after Adonijah. Looking back, he didn't turn after Absalom back against David. And so Joab is not serving Solomon, if you will. And Joab fled under the tabernacle of the Lord, and he caught hold on the horns of the altar. 
And it was told King Solomon that Joab was fled unto the tabernacle of the Lord. And behold, he is by the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go, fall upon him. And Benaiah came to the tabernacle of the Lord and said unto him, Thus says the king, Come forth. And, and, he or he, and Joab said, No, I will die here. And Benaiah brought the king word again, saying, Thus says Joab, and thus he answered me. And the king said unto him, Do as he says, fall upon him and bury him, that thou mayest take away the innocent blood which Joab shed from me and from the house of my father. And the Lord shall return his blood upon his own head, who fell upon two men more righteous and better than he, and slew with the sword my father David, not knowing thereof to wit, Abner the son of Ner, captain of the host of Israel, and Amasa the son of Jether, captain of the host of Judah. Their blood shall therefore return upon the head of Joab and upon the head of his seed forever. But upon David and his seed, upon his house and his throne, shall there be peace forever from the Lord. And so this is how Joab ends his life. And if there was ever a man that lived by the sword and died by the sword, I think it would be this, this man Joab. He took his death. He didn't fight it. He knew it was his time. He grabbed the, the altar and said, I'm going to die here. I mean, he knew he had it coming to him. And as we've read tonight, he, if, he was not afraid to, to strike down his rivals. Joab was a man of blood. And he was a man that didn't learn from his mistakes. And he proved that he could not resist taking revenge upon his rivals. And for our final verse this evening, Romans 12 and 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And that is kind of the exact opposite of what we've seen with Joab. He didn't like what somebody did to him. Granted, it was very... You know, one of his guys killed his one of his guys killed his brother, another one took his position in the military. As the Lord says, as far as we're concerned, whatever happens to us, vengeance is mine, I will be repay. Serving God should never be about our own personal crusades. Whether it's not taking revenge on someone or just simply following orders, we have to remember that we are all servants of the king. His will should be our will. Joab, he viewed his service to the king like much of today's religious world does. Like, I will serve you king unless it interferes with what I want to do. I'm going to have selective obedience. I'm going to follow you in a way that sees, the way that I see fit. Yeah, these men... I know you didn't want me to strike him down, but I'm telling you, he duped you, so I'm going to take him out. This guy, he's taking, you know, we don't, we're getting rid of him too. I can be a better commander. I'm a follower of you, king, unless it goes against what I want. And hopefully, as we go through life, we're not sending a message in the way we think that, yeah, we're a follower of you, Jesus, unless it goes against what I want. When it comes down to it, who is the king? Who are we serving? And again, I gave that title, Joab, a man after his own heart, because I see the difference between David and, and Joab. He, he did the will of his own heart, what he thought was right, rather than what 
uh, the king thought was right. That's where we'll conclude our study tonight. Thank you for your patience and kind attention tonight. At this time, we offer a song of invitation. If you are subject to the gospel call, if you would like to be baptized or you need the prayers of the church, we invite you to come forward while we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.